Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we've got who should pick first? Sean. Hiya, Sean. How are you? Very well, thanks. How has your week been? Have you been doing anything exciting that lovely watchers and listeners would like to know about? No, I'm still sort of snoozing after the race, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't exactly a classic. You got a bit of an Abu Dhabi hangover, that sort of thing, is it? A little bit. A little bit. It wasn't mm. quite as exciting a finish as, as last year, but... Sad that it's the end of the season, so I've just been trying to not cry. Yeah, and a, a few months of filler podcasts up and coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> filler discussions. Anyway, let's move on to Stephanie. Hello, Stephanie. How are Hi, you? you okay? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm really good. And your week, anything exciting happened to you? No, pretty much the same as Sean. I'm going to be in hibernation until pre-season testing, pretty much. So we're going to, like Sad a tortoise, times. we're going to put you in a box and put you in the airing cupboard for... Until the Formula yes, 1 starts. please. Okay, okay, we can do that. We can sort that out. Uh, and Coops, we've also got alongside us today too. Coops, how are oh. you, my ginger Scottish friend? I am Ginger. Ginger. And Scottish. Scottish. And <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Plodding on, figuring out what I'm going to do with the next, what, is it 102 odd days or something without, it, without Formula 1? Although Formula E starting in January. Yeah, so we've got a bit of racing to, to kind of live on and enjoy and soak up. Yeah, okay, well, we're, today we're, we're going to chat about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Obviously, it was over the weekend, and it was the season finale. And did it live up to expectations? Was it exciting, or was it a bit meh? We'll go around. Rate it out of 10, please. We'll go to Stephanie first, ladies first. Out of 10, what would you give it as a race on the whole? Mm, a four. Yeah, okay. Low score. Sean? Yeah. I, I I give it a five. You know, it was bittersweet, but Seb seemed to Seb had a good race, had some good overtakes. Mm. I love the donuts at the end. There were lots lots of cute messages on everyone's screens and pictures of victories and podiums and stuff like that. That yeah. was that was huge. It wasn't a classic, but there were some moments. But it's not. Well, I'm I'm looking through kind of the notes, and I've forgotten half of it already. So <laughs> I think I think it deserves exactly half marks. Okay, and Coops, go on, give it a score out of 10. 4.5. Mm. Smack, smack bang in between Steph and Sean. Okay. Yes, completely did not do that on purpose. <laughs> Just to, you know, keep it all in line. I'm going to say it was a... I'll say a five as well. I'll go with Sean on that. Uh, half marks, just because there were a few things, a few key points. Obviously, the, all the celebrations of Seb's F1 career was emotional and quite, you know, nice to see. Obviously, it's great that he had a good point scoring, well, a point scoring race to, to be sent off on. And yeah, you know, donuts at the end on the track. It's always, always great to see a few donuts. But yeah, okay, we'll go into the full race review after I just give you the brief information about Everything F1. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We've also got a shiny website, www.everythingf1.com. And we would love it if you were to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast streaming service. Just search for Everything F1, hit the bell, hit the subscribe button, whichever it is on your service, and get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. And we've got some really exciting ones to come up, actually, during the off-season. One that, you know, I'm sure all of us are excited to kind of be involved in. I'll, I'll drop, I'll, I'm going to name drop just to kind of keep you interested. But we've got Mario Andretti popping along, and we've got Mark, Blund Mark Blundell as well. Uh, and Sean, Sean Kelly's also coming on next week for the full season review. So... There are more in the pipeline as well. So absolutely 
hit the subscribe button so you make sure you get every single one of those as soon as they go live. Okay, so the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Let's talk about the winner. It's very difficult not to talk about not not to talk about Max Verstappen this this year, this whole season. He's been absolutely fantastic, untouchable in most circumstances, and the same occurred here in Abu Dhabi. We'll go to a Max Verstappen fan first, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Were you, you? Did you enjoy watching Max Verstappen drive off into the sunset? Uh, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, six seconds ahead of the rest of the crew. It was almost romantic. <laughs> no, so it, it was amazing. It's been great to watch Max, albeit we might disregard the first few races of the season, but it's been great to watch him throughout the season. He's really grown as a driver as well, mm-hmm. I feel, and his sort of stature on track. But it was really nice to see him just do well in the last race, albeit he didn't need the points. Mm-hmm. And maybe his teammate could have used those yeah i don't i don't know that he should have backed up leclerc to be honest with you i think it was too risky for you know yeah it, it probably could have lost more spaces and then so i don't like this week i can't fault mm-hmm. max yeah like i could from the previous week so yeah i i i agree with you there it, it, you know it was kind of summing up his season by uh, performing dominantly and just yeah, winning the race. 15th race win, is that a correct? A new record, isn't it? Which he's just extended his, yeah. He he, he yeah. beat the record, obviously, getting the 14th, but he's extended his record, for which will be very, very difficult to beat indeed. Sean, anything else to add about Max Verstappen? I completely agree with you that, you know, there was nothing really he could do to really help Checo this time around. Oddly, and I know we'll touch on them, Ferrari got the strategy right. Yeah, 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 that's true. And I, I think, I think like Max, you know, he was in a class of one. He qualified, what, two odd tenths quicker than his teammate at the final round of the season. That's a big gulf in the last race of the season when Max had nothing to play for and mm. Checo had arguably his career on the line with a certain somebody making their way back into the Red Bull camp. That's, that's, that, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a big golf in the same car. And yeah, no, Max, good end of the season. He, he was just in cruise control though, wasn't he? He, he, he didn't even look like he was trying. Mm. No, exactly. It was, it was just easy for him. It was um, very Vettel 2013-esque. It was. Coops, how about his Red Bull teammate? Obviously Sergio Perez qualified second and, for a lot of the race, we thought, actually, he's going to get that second place in the championship, but strategy kind of worked out the way he did. Maybe Red Bull made a, a, an error. I'm not, I'm not sure what your opinion is on that, but uh, he, he didn't get that that second place in the in the championship after all. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Red Bull really made a strategy error. I think Leclerc done it right, and mm. Perez just burned out his tyres, and, you know... You lose. You just lost too much time. You had too much time to gain back, and with the way Ferrari's strategy worked in and how they planned it, it boxed Red Bull into a situation that ultimately they couldn't get back from. Yeah, it kind of epitomizes the whole Perez season. So close, but just not quite there. Yeah, you see, so I wasn't on last week's podcast. It was obviously Sean that presented that one, so I would have got to air my feelings on that situation had I been it but I think this is it serves Red Bull completely right not getting the one two it's absolutely something that they could have controlled themselves within the team they obviously didn't do it I I feel sorry for Sergio because obviously I I feel maybe he did deserve the second overall from his performance overall this season it's it's completely Red Bull's fault in my mind they should have managed that situation better and he could have had that second in the championship go on Sean I I was going to say I think again I I think you're dead right I think the whole thing should have been handled long before it ever blew up in everybody's face in Brazil. Yeah. But even down to, like you said, he had it in the, in the bag in Abu Dhabi. It was his to lose. And what they did was almost give him a max strategy. They pitted him twice when the clerk mm. stayed out on, on a one stop and did really well on a one stop. And the one thing Sergio Perez is the best on the grid of all 20 drivers. He mm. is the absolute king of tire management. You put him out there and we saw it last year. He was on, degraded, ancient, flaking tyres that was able to hold up Lewis Hamilton on brand brand spanking new tyres. You put him out there, leave him out there, and let him keep his position. They put him on new tyres and expected him to race through the field. That's not who he is. That's not what he's good at. That's never been what he's good at. And it was almost like Christian Horner saying, this is payback for you being a whinge last week. (laughs) Dropping us all in it. Yeah. Giving, giving all this dodgy media attention. Well, you did that. Yeah, but you were right. You know, Sergio Perez is a, a, a tire whisperer, if we yeah. if we can call it that. Very, very gentle on his tires, and he probably would have been better on that one stop. Mm-hmm. Let's move over to Ferrari then. Obviously, Charles Leclerc did pip Sergio Perez to that second in the championship, Stephanie. 
a rare case of Ferrari actually <laughs> getting, it right. getting it right. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah this season anyway. I'm sure they've historically done it. Let's if we look back to 2001 to four and <laughs> yeah, definitely. I am really happy that Charles got second in the championship. I'm really, I'm really glad about that. And a little part of me, and I think the rest of F1 fans, sort of fans as well, and fandom. Uh, mm. There's a little part of me that thinks Max did what he did the previous race because he wanted Charles to come second. You know, him and Charles are good friends and I just <laughs> I just feel that's what that's what it is. And Ooh. but I don't know. I'm not gonna throw around assumptions. But I'm really happy that Charles did get second because for a long time during the first half of the 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 season we you mm. know was a really a fight between those two and it was it was nice to see Charles up there. It was nice to see Ferrari back up there as well. And obviously they just can't quite get the strategy right. No matter what they do, apart from the last race of the season when it theoretically really doesn't hold Matter. much yeah <laughs> or it didn't I mean? in this so race yeah but if not I'm, I'm really happy with uh, how how he raced specifically this weekend and how about the smooth operator of Carlos Sainz Sean what, what did you think of Carlos Sainz this weekend I, I I thought Carlos was brilliant all season to be perfectly mm. honest I know we'll do a full season review next week before that but I thought Carlos had a good race I think getting second in the championship on both counts was good for them. Um, And it's been very, very noticeable in the media the past couple of weeks that their whole narrative, their whole spiel, their whole, like the media guys have been very clear on, you know, we've lost the championship. Let's spin it into a positive. This is a huge step up over last year. They've repeated that over and over and over and over again in the media. And on paper, at least, it absolutely is. This year, they finished second, 554 points compared to last year. They finished third with mm. 323 and a half points. That is a significant jump in points tallies. They got four wins versus none last year. They only had five podiums last year. They had mm. 20 podiums this year. So on paper, yes, this was a good season for Ferrari. But, you know, in the context of the fact that, well, he had the championship in the bag after round six, didn't he? This is yeah. not, this is very much Vettel 2018. You know, it was Charles and the echoes of it are incredible. Like, Vettel had that championship in the bag and then he stuffed it with a completely unforced error in Germany. Charles did exactly the same thing in France and that's where he lost the championship. Yeah, so it's a bit of a wet blanket of an end to the season for them, but I do think getting second in the championship on both championships will be a boost to everyone involved in for, in Ferrari. They do have an extra gulf of development time over Red Bull next year. Hmm. And unlike the last couple of times where he came into a new era of regulations whether it be engine or aero ferrari have never come out of the gates 2009 they were terrible 2014 they were worse 2017 they were okay and then fell away very quickly this year they nailed it right off the bat fell away a little bit and but they're they're in a much better position to do better off it next year so not the worst end of the season but uh, yeah i think they could be happy enough with their abu dhabi race i think they they finally got the strategy on on at least yeah, and then we had Mercedes that were they were bouncing again, weren't they, Coops? There were certainly some surprises for Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. They weren't as quick as they were in the previous race in Brazil. And then there was a hint of the, the porpoising. They were like, oh, it's just got to disappear. This was on on, the, on Saturday, I believe they were chatting about it. Yeah, there, it, was, it wasn't a surprise to them. Uh, I mean, when they're uh, earlier on in the season, a few races before the end there, they brought up an upgrade which would have which done well for Mexico, it done well for Brazil, obviously. Hmm. But they knew it wasn't going to work in Abu Dhabi. The I mean the car is still fundamentally a dragging car. It was yeah. never going to be above Ferrari in the Red Bull. The purpose I'm not sure. I mean, they did it was clear that they had issues with it. But I think Ferrari, I think Leclerc had a bit of a scary moment during I don't know if it was one of the practice sessions uh during quarter like turn two and three and he did come over the radio and say that the, the bouncing's back or porpoising's back so a couple of teams did seem to have issues with it but we all know that the W13 I think was predisposed to have issues with it just by mm. its fundamental design at the start of the season but yeah they knew it wasn't going to be a race where they were going to sneak a win or that Hamilton was going to get his win that he hadn't got all season or anything and I think it was just again damage limitation mode for them to be honest it's interesting you say that, Coops, because all in the lead-up last week, everywhere that I looked in the press, everyone was thinking, well, Mercedes podium, Mercedes win, Mercedes podium. I was like, even Mercedes themselves have absolutely no expectations for Abu Dhabi. They mm-hmm. knew 
that Mexico was an anomaly and Brazil was even more of an anomaly. The type of track suited them, the, the, yep. the temperature suited them and the elevation suited them. Abu Dhabi is two feet below sea level, if I'm not wrong, or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's level with, there's no elevation. So mm. all like Sky, BBC, every single like F1 related podcast or news source that I read all week said that Hamilton would win or that at the very least Mercedes will get a podium. It's like, no, they won't. You're all just on a, <laughs> on a massive... Just so, just so like, that's so, so hangover from last week. And I couldn't yeah. help but draw comparisons to the Iran victory the other night, lads. Like, <laughs> let's have a, let's have a step back. It was a yeah. good victory, but it was Iran. Yes. Yeah. I feel like there's a, there was like a small hope that everyone was holding out that, that Lewis would win a race at least one this season. Do you get what I mean? And I think that's why the whole situation, everyone was was hoping. And it's the first season that he's not won a race. Or got pole. Yeah, wishful thinking, I think. Yeah. But, uh, even at the end of June, Brazil, where they're like, oh, could you get a one in Abu Dhabi? And they went, no, no, it's, tra- it's track specific. This is the reason. Mm-hmm. Why. And they still ran with the, they could still win it. And if Mercedes are gone, <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> it's not even like Mercedes are playing coy. Every single one of them straight up come out and said, no, we're not going to win in Abu Dhabi. And this isn't like, we're not being coy about this, lads. This was track specific. We won't yep. win in Abu Dhabi. So it's just, and it just annoyed me a little bit that everyone yeah. was still so Oh, they're going to get away. No, they're not. There was, and I was right. Sorry. It's just, it's the end of the season. I was right. Mercedes got one win and it wasn't Lewis. So I I, I, I got my fiver back on that one. So yeah, Lewis Hamilton has, has picked up that car and he's thrown it straight in the trash because he doesn't want to drive that car ever again. George Russell had an okay race, actually, as impressive as he, as he could have been. Past Lewis on track. Pass Lewis on track, had to. At that point, there was an issue with his, well, the underside of the car. They they think, obviously, with the with that jump away from the car last signs that he wanted to do over the sausage curb, mm-hmm. which isn't great, isn't a good thing for his back, let alone the car itself, obviously, uh, and pretty much put paid to him scoring any decent points for the team mm. and getting that second in the championship. But actually, did would they have wanted second in the championship? Let's just think, they get extra CFD slash wind tunnel time. Obviously, the, the money would have been nice, but... It's it's Mercedes. They're you know they've got hundreds, and hundreds of millions. The way that the season started, mm. they definitely wanted second in the championship. You reckon? Yes. There's no way that they would be looking back. Total Wolf and that team and Hamilton and that would not go. Oh, we'll just settle for five or ten percent extra CFE time. That's a good compromise and a good. It kind of lessens the blow for them because mm. let's face it, they kind of need it. But yeah, no. They, 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 they're not wired that way we are wired that way because we don't work for them we don't yeah, work true. in that environment it's it's all about your positions and the constructors it's all about beating your rivals and the fact that they were so far behind I mean Hamilton at one point was fighting to get into 10th in races and then he's up there at the front no it's it was all about second place I completely agree. I think they'd be like as racers, which they all are and everyone in Formula One is, but especially Mercedes being like such a well-oiled German machine of perfection would not have been happy finishing third. But as you said, there is the positive that they could, they could to kind of springboard them into next year that yes, they have more CFD time, even more over Red Bull. Again, let's not forget Red Bull are losing an extra 10% of CFD time next year. Yeah. That is a significant chunk. They reckon between first losing that and third, that could be worth two or three tenths a lap. That's going to be massive. So that's Mercedes back in the game, but, and they do need it. And you're right, like from a money point of view with the cost cap, they don't need the money. Money doesn't need like top three or four or five teams don't really care about the prize money anymore. It is that development time and just that kind of prestige of how high up you finished. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. I was just tinfoil hatting at that point. What do you think they were <laughs> going for the second? But I agree with you. You're kind of, you're, your point that they're racers and they they will always want to be as high as they possibly could be. And I suppose also, if you if they get back onto form next year, they could say, you know, we we've won the you know the last eight championships. We had a blip where we only came second, and now we're mm. back back to first again. If they do, let's talk about let's talk about Sebastian Vettel and his farewell, and how many tears we all shed when watching all the different kind of video packages that Sky Sports put together of his of his history and all these interviews that he had. Steph, were you sad to see Sebastian Vettel go? Yeah, I haven't stopped crying yet. I'm so I'm so upset to see him go. He was such a sweet soul, but I remember a time when everyone absolutely hated that man, that he was the most hated man on the grid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Everyone <laughs> hated him for 
dominating the sport, I suppose, and it got boring and then whatever else. But anyway, he moved on and he's just oh, he's just such a sweet guy. And I just, oh, we're going to miss him so much. I know that he didn't really do much at Aston Martin and not as well as what I'd have liked to see him do, especially with sort of what he's done in the past with his career and stuff. But I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. I would like to see him come back maybe for like the F1 Academy that they've just released as sort of a mentor for the new and upcoming people, you know, sort of just sort of teaching and passing along that knowledge and that racecraft that he sort of developed over all those years. That would be a nice thing to see. Mick loses his sort of like mentor that he sort of has. I mean, I know Mick won't be in the sport next next year, but I really thought they had a really good bond. So that was upsetting yeah. to see as well. But yeah. You know, I was one of these people that I, I liked Seb when he when he won his first race in Toro Rosso. I, you know, I was I was ecstatic for him. I was like, yeah, another another winner, kind of a an underdog in that team. And uh, he mm-hmm. came through, and he, he started winning with Red Bull. I was like, yeah, you know, this is good. Somebody different. He's a likable character. He's always really funny. He was always very good at kind of telling jokes in the in the presses and stuff like that. You know, I, I loved him, and then I completely turned off him because of Multi Twenty One. So I was. That 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 flipped it for me. Multi twenty one. It kind of showed the but the selfish side of drivers. But that selfish side of drivers is is probably in all. They, the, yeah, they the they wouldn't be on the grid if they weren't selfish. At the exactly. end of the day, like you know, I know they've got to all be friends and get along and sort of be amicable. But if they didn't have that sort of selfish bone in the body and their sort of like drive and determination to be first, mm. then they'd just sort of wave everyone through and be like, yeah, go on, mate, you go in front of me. You know, you're my friend, so you can you can win this one and I'll get the next one. Just doesn't work like that, does it, I suppose? But yeah, we'll see we'll see what the future holds in terms of in terms of that. But when he when his when he won his first race with Toro Rosso, that was still in my mind the greatest piece of commentary ever, 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 ever from that race. It was brilliant. Uh, yeah. I I rewatched that race actually last week. It was great. But yeah. Good, good. Any other comments? We'll go to Sean. Sad to see Seb go, but kind of happy with that he got at least a point during his last race. Yeah, it was great to see him get a point and he did have to fight for it, which was mm. great. We saw some overtakes for him. We saw some battling for him. I was very much one of these people who was in the camp of I didn't really like him, especially in the Red Bull days. And I always kind of had like like kind of flipped opinion of Seb versus Lewis. I liked Lewis as a driver, but never liked him as a person. And I was the complete opposite of Seb. I liked Seb as a person, but absolutely despised him as a driver. And my favorite race of all time was Canada 2011. And I still giggle every time JB passes him because he got cocky, he went out front and then he slid it wide. It was hilarious. But... And to be fair, I think even Seb himself has sort of said that, you know, in the Red Bull days, he was young, he was arrogant, he was cocky. And it took going to Ferrari, it took the 2014 be beaten by Danny. That was a big smash to his ego. And then going to Ferrari and having to try and rebuild that team to really make him mature a little bit as a person, but also as, as a driver and who we want and what kind of legacy he wanted to have. And I think since he's gone to Ferrari, we've all grown to know Seb as the person because we haven't seen the finger every week which I think annoyed everyone <laughs> and you know we got to know Seb and like there's just stuff of him picking up trash at the Russian Grand Prix and Silverstone oh Silverstone sorry that's what it was I, I'll never forget his his Top Gear interview back in 2011 like that's the moment I thought okay actually he's he's a, he seems like a really nice guy like he was impersonating Nigel Mansell and doing the accents that was hilarious so it'll be it'll be weird to see the grid without Seb he's been there for so long I agree with Fernando Alonso I think he'll be back I have a wild theory that Audi are going to come in and create, do exactly what Mercedes did and bring the old German out of retirement and bring the new German in alongside him. And we're going to have Ooh. Vettel and Schumacher in the same team. You imagine you're that? Sh- you're all shaking that your head. But nobody thought <laughs> that would be great. Nobody thought Schumacher was going to come back to Mercedes either. And he did, didn't he? So that's, that's my theory. And Nico Rosberg was sort of a nobody when he went to Mercedes. So mm. that's my wild theory. But other than that, speaking of Nico Rosberg, he's come out and said he'd love to see Seb in Extreme E. I think that'd be perfect for Seb. He himself has said, you know, I th- I'd think i love to try rallying. I think Extreme E would be perfect for him. I think it melds everything he wants to do. He wants, obviously, equality in sport. Extreme E is male and female drivers. Yeah. He wants to save the planet. He's very environmentally conscious. It's exactly what Extreme E's thing is. And he wants to do rallying. So there's three things boxed off. I think, I think Extreme E would be perfect for him, whether he joins a team as a driver or does what Lewis and Nico have done and set up his own team, which I wouldn't put a pass him doing as well. I think I think we could definitely see Seb in Extreme E very soon. And it's coming to Scotland next year. So. Is it? Yes. Oh, cool. I might actually Scot- go to the race. Scotland and America, I think. There's two new tracks for next year and one of them Scotland. What What were your thoughts over Sebastian Vettel's last race? Were you emotional 
coops or are you are you like a stone N- nothing comes out of you yeah i didn't shed a tear and get upset like oh no it's leaving like we've known for months and i mean i've watched it long enough to, to remember when drivers retire he's done his bit he's done his time he got a point he still got hung out to dry be aston martin in that race mm. with their strategy mm. call uh, but yeah he's done what he did and you know what I loved it when he multi twenty one. That was great. That was <laughs> that, that, he, he showed some. He showed some bollocks. He was like, "No, no, I'm not staying here." You know, he didn't. He didn't do a Ralph Schumacher when he was behind Damon Hill at Spa and just stood there behind him. He was like, "No, I'm having ne- Never forget his uh, press conference. Those one of the most famous quotes ever. Uh, I was racing. I was faster. I passed him. I won. Yeah, Mike yeah, but, but, yeah, but Mark <laughs> Webber had turned down his engine. That's so true. He, yeah, he, he wasn't racing at all. Yeah, so <laughs> it was like I'll pass this yeah, very yeah. slow-moving object, which is not. I wasn't very racing, of really. course. Yeah. Of course, I was faster. It was easy to pass, and I won. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the the history of Formula One, it's it's selfish by design. It is mm. what it is. Like Michael Schumacher was a known selfish person, mm-hmm. and there's always the discussion of how far over the line he went. Yeah, what, what, race, what race was that where he overtook, or well, was it the, the, Bar- the Barrichello incident where obviously that Austria. Austria, yeah, that was, yeah, that, just a, another example, I guess, of, of selfish drivers. Pushed, he pushed himself closer to the line, Barrichello in Hungary, almost flyered him into the wall. He, mm. the, the Monaco qualifying incident where he parked it, tried to say he had an accident, like you can need to do better than that, you know, <laughs> Sergio Perez <laughs> done it better. You know. Nico Rosberg did it better as well. Yeah, so... And then, like, come on, Elton Senna. We all talk about the man as genius. He was the best driver ever. 1990, yeah. Suzuka, first corner. Yeah, crashes yeah. straight into the side of Frost. You know, there was a gap, really. Vettel did what he did because he, he had to do it. If you talk about arrogance, Hamilton was an arrogant young man when he came into the sport. Mm. Verstappen still is. And they are, they are the, he had, the, you know, Hamilton is the goat of this era. Verstappen is, cementing himself as the future goal of the next era of Formula One. Uh, and I say that because you can't have an overall goal in Formula One because the eras are just so different as you go on. Mm. Uh, it's Jim Clark, though. <laughs> of that era. <laughs> but he did what he had to do. And in hindsight, as you go older, yes, we will always look back at things we did in our own lives as we've been, you know, I'm I'm 40 now, I'll look back at some of the stupid things I did when I was 18, 19, 20 and be like, mm. you, you know, Vettel will, yeah, and Vettel <laughs> will do the same thing as a driver. He looks back at the multi-21 stuff, probably not what he did, but how he reacted to it mm-hmm. and look back and go, that's a bit cringy, didn't, didn't deal with that very well, but he knew what he was doing. And I think if the situation, if he was allowed to relive it, he'd do it again. He'd just yeah. use the PR machine a bit better after. Yeah. Or they you might know? tell Mark to turn the engine back up and let them actually race it out. <laughs> yeah. Just do what Mercedes do. Ignore George. Can we do yeah. one too? <laughs> no, you're racing, pal. We've chatted about this. Get on mate. I wouldn't be that bothered if I don't see a Vettel or the Mick Schumacher name because I'm too interested in what I've got in front of me. He's done his turn. He's got his four championships. He had a good run. Yeah, he didn't do a Kimmy and phone it in for two seasons when you're like, just leave, Kimmy, <laughs> please. <laughs> you know, he went at the right time, and, you know, and good luck to him. And uh, for any of you guys, Aston Martin tweeted out that there's something coming soon, and it's called Sebastian Vettel One Last Time, which I think is some sort of video documentary thing to do with. Not sure what it is, but... It's some sort of video package of a documentary thing coming soon. They certainly are giving him a good farewell. I feel like this farewell has been like no no other farewell (laughs) to any other driver. Like for some reason, it's like just because obviously Vettel's had he's had a good couple of years where he's he's the PR machine for him has been absolutely amazing and it's really gotten every everyone behind him, but. I've never seen this with a driver before. They've they've seriously gone all out into it. And they were forgetting that, you know, Nicholas Latifi had his last race at Abu Dhabi. So everyone's like all cheering around Sebastian Vettel. And there's poor old Nicholas Latifi going, uh, oh, it's my last race too. The difference, all the success aside, is that Seb has chosen to leave. Mick and mm. Nicky and Danny, for that matter, have not. They're kind of being pushed out. But yeah, I thought it was cute. Actually, F1, I only noticed it inside of my eye, tweaked the intro. Did you see that? Yeah, they put Seb they, they the put end. Seb as the last one. They put they put they they had Charles Lewis, Max, and then Seb. 
Oh, I, was, yeah. I was watching it on my phone, so I didn't I didn't see it. Then they tweeted out, did anyone notice? And everyone went, of course we did. Of course we did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one, one thing I will say about Stead before we move on, that Mike Crack came out and just kind of said about how he just did not get distracted by everything over the weekend. Everything was going on. Mm. He had his dad there with a the first helmet and he had to hanging up his first day overalls and all the media duties. And he even still went to the debrief, the technical debrief at the end of the race, but he didn't have to, because why mm. would you? And it was still the usual said mm. metal long professional. ones while yeah. sitting there drinking Jägermeister or something similar. <laughs> uh, and that was true, but, you know, Mike Crack said he just was so... He, he couldn't understand how he did not throughout the whole weekend get himself distracted. And, and he wasn't overly emotional either, so I think he'd obviously come come to terms with it all. Mike Crack said that he just didn't know emotion, done his thing, enjoyed the moment. He wasn't arrogant about it, as we've known. Mike said that it wasn't an arrogant person anyway. But, yeah, it just... It just exemplified to the man is he will go on and do something else it won't be the last time I think I heard I read something that Red Bull have offered him a management role within Red Bull whether mm. that's just a token gesture or whether he'll come in and do something I mean he is very into the history of Formula 1 does love all that stuff so I don't think he wants to be flying around I don't think it fits in mm. with his ethos it's anymore not, so I think it's uh... not, he's not going to be doing that I think Sean touched on it Extreme E would probably be good Extreme is it's very spread out. It's a weekend away to somewhere, does a wee bit of stuff, goes back home, and then it's a month or so before the next few one. races a year, yeah. It's mm-hmm. only I think it's five or six. I might be mm-hmm. wrong, but it's it's very low and it's it's a weekend, you know. Mm. So, you know, I you could do that and yeah. I suppose yeah. I symp I sympathize with like drivers in that sort of sense, like Ones who have children, especially, you know, it must be hard being away all that time. And obviously not just the drivers, there is obviously staff and and whatever else, but like they're constantly away and they must be missing out on so much. And that eventually does catch up and you do start to maybe think, oh, well, maybe I should spend some more time at home. And I enjoy it, but my family probably don't enjoy me being away for so long, which Mm. is one of the major things that he sort of said, you know, when he in his like retirement speech, you know, he was like, I want to be able to see my children grow up and I want to be able to do these things with them. Do you get what I mean? And so, yeah, I suppose that's probably why Lewis Hamilton's looking to stay forever because he just doesn't have the family (laughs) at the moment, you know, doesn't have the kids, doesn't have the wife. Uh, He's probably happy to be there for another five, six years because what else is he going to do? It's about Alonso. Like Alonso doesn't have yeah. that either, you know. Mm. He just wants to race and do that, well, you know. One final, mm. final thing that I think you'll all like about Seb. So, obviously, his idol was Michael Schumacher, who started his career in a green Jordan. Yes. Seb Bettel ended his career in what was a green Jordan. Green Jordan, Jordan team, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Jordan team, a green car. I thought uh, that was, that was poetic nice. Poetic symmetry, I indeed. Think, or, mm. And or can we just, can we just mention that the Jordan 191, which is the one that is just the most beautiful cars beautiful of all time. thing in it. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> the only Irish car, and it's one of the most memorable ever. <laughs> well, let's move on from Seb. Great career, Seb. We, we wish you every happiness in your future in your retirement but we've got to move on and talk about some of these other drivers and other teams mclaren well certainly three of us on the panels secretly not so secret favorite mclaren had a mixed bag of a race would you say coops danny rick came in ninth ninth there you go i was just norris was in ninth ninth and sixth so points did did well as well as could be expected but you know probably a season that they want to get past and and move into the the new one next year. I mean, it was it was it was a good race for Lando. Um, yeah. Get the fastest lap as well. That's not bad. Get the fastest pit stop as well. So you know, taking things you know with a grain of salt. It's not been a great year for McLaren at all. Like it's it all started so well, but they mm. they were just so caught out by those brake issues in Bahrain from the test, just overheating, and that cost them. That cost them the first half of the season, and there was just that that spent so much of their development time and resources and money and tokens on fixing essentially the whole front end just to make the brakes work. Yeah. That there was no nothing left to develop the rest of the car. So with that in mind, hopefully that gives them like a, a you know a bit more impetus to next year because the basics the base of that car is a very good car. And we saw that in Barcelona and we've seen that in Imola and we saw that a few other races throughout this year. Like the base of that car, all the conditions allowing is a good car. And it is like at its core a better car than the Alpine is. 
Mm. Alpine just developed their car better and had better, I wouldn't even say they had better luck because Alonso retired from every race. <laughs> but Esteban Ocon at least had phenomenal reliability. He was only in, he was only not in the points in four races that he finished and then retired twice. He was in what? The points 18 times. That's that's a good, good record for Esteban Ocon this year. Mm. So, you know, although Lando Norris was as well. So good year for Lando. Good end, good for Danny to end with some points after being dropped three places and after qualifying for something that I don't think was, you know, a three-place drop worthy incident last last week. It looked more dramatic because mm. of the second hit. But that wasn't Danny's fault. There's no way in hell he like targeted Kevin to roll yeah, it back it, that way. It, it, it was his fault because he put Magnuson in the spin in the first place. Yeah, and I get that. But the race, so he had to get penalised because his actions ended somebody else's race. So three grids, probably the fairest you could get. But he would have uh, probably got a five or ten second grid uh, time slot time penalty if he survived. But not that it was anywhere near as dramatic, but if I can uh, cast your minds back, a quick view back to the past. Uh, last year, when Lewis punted Max into the wall at 53G, the penalty was given for the incident, not the resulting crash and damage. So the incident was Danny tapping the rear wheel. Mm. The resulting crash and damage he should not have been penalised for. He, he, he shouldn't have also he... been rolling back. Like no, 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 that, 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 that he was right to do. I he think had that he to was roll right to away do. from the rest of the. He couldn't yeah. stay there because he's in the firing line, and I yeah, think Martin Bundle did touch on it that that's and said yeah. it in 2012 as well. Go. But then, like uh, in terms of Danny's perspective, like Danny's perspective, he couldn't have gone. No, there was nowhere for him. To no, go. There was nowhere yeah. for him to go out. So that, like, that was that, the only way. That's what I mean. Like what what he should have been penalised for is five seconds. I think it was a first lap incident, you know, for tapping him into a spin. Fair enough. But I thought a three-place grid drop for this, which was secondly the second crash, was extremely harsh and completely against the FIA's own precedent set last year. So yeah, but we we know what the FIA have been like with decisions uh, this rubbish, year, last year, uh, and crap. The, yeah, most idiotic yeah, recent seasons. It's been so ridiculous. Uh, uh, I, I would go as far as defend that. I think three places for that is fine. I don't see. They have to give him a penalty for something. They couldn't give him a time penalty because he crashed out. So you can't three places is the bare minimum you could give somebody under that in any kind of that kind of situation. I don't mm. I don't think it was because of the initial crash. I think the second crash that put them out put the FIA and the stewards in a situation of well, we need to penalise them. We can't do anything else but give them three places. Because mm. uh, I don't think throughout the whole coverage that they actually said all oh, that was not a good penalty they kind of went yeah okay fair enough that's fine mm. that is what that is but anyway good result for Danny to get a point yeah and two points not not great for the team obviously they lost it because of the Brazil instance and whatnot in terms of the, the constructor standings it was pretty difficult to get past Alpine to get fourth so they'll be uh, disappointed with their finish in fifth I think but it's probably testament to Lando Norris specifically this season that the team actually were, were in with the chance at the last couple of races to be in the in competition with Alpine if that makes sense well you bear in mind that they only had like one driver in the competition really. Mm compared to, well, one and a half drivers for Alpine. So, to have only been, what, 23 points off by the end? I thought was with no development on the car at all. It was a really good, like, that's a good year for Lando Norris. Mm. Like, all, all things that's considered. Good show of, like, resilience from the McLaren team. And I think that the whole team will just be buoyed by how well they all kind of combined together to get even yeah. fifth. Uh, I think they had, they had some good results this year. And I do think we'll see a much better McLaren next year. Yeah, they're only 14 oh. points actually away from Alpine. 14 points, yeah, even yeah, better. 14 yeah. points. See, I, I'm going to say something bold and I'm not... I, and you might, all three of you, hate me for do, this. Do you remember I've got the power to mute you and kick you from the <laughs> yeah, corner? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that we're going to see a better McLaren next year. I think... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're going, um, you're going. I think that... Piastri is not going to live up to their sort of expectations. I think Lando is going to be carrying it again. I think they're going to struggle with the car. I just think that them thinking that getting rid of Danny Rick was sort of the end of their bad days and good days over the horizon are going to come full of sunshine and kisses and rainbows. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. But that's just my opinion. We shall see. Let's hope you are absolutely wrong. I uh, wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> I'm so I was so sorry to say it. I just there's got to be You're one of us that sorry. is Don't like lie. You're but... not sorry. <laughs> I just I the Danny Rick that we saw was it Mexico? You know, 
but yeah, that was like the old Danny Rick. Do you get I me? Mean? Like, I was so excited when I was watching that. It was brilliant. And although I love Perez, I would really love to see him back in a Red Bull and to see him back up there to like sort of show McLaren that he is a good driver and it was purely just the car. I feel like if the car is made for somebody else, you're not going to get along with it. <laughs> you say that about Red Bull, it's designed around Max Verstappen. But he's the, better driver the out the, he's the better yeah. driver out of the two. If I was the yeah. better driver out of two people, then I would expect... I would expect it to come... The attention to become coming to me. Like, I can't drop my standards for somebody who isn't on my level. That's that's how I see it. That's not, bit, that's not car design, though. I know, I know it's not. But, I mean, every team does it. They all have their one, two drivers. I mean, they're they're always going to be like that. And I, I just think that Danny Rick, that car didn't suit him. I don't particularly feel like the, the Renault suited him at all. Dan, Danny Rick is doing the best way of copying Fernando Alonso's career and <laughs> making the wrong decisions at the right time. Uh, I mean, he's walking away from there like 21 million extra in the bank and a reserve driver role to take a year out and the potential to step into Perez's shoes in 2024. I think he's come out on top. Smelling of roses. We'll still see him around yeah, the grid. I think Red Bull <laughs> came out better than they've got a good position. With mm-hmm. Ricardo as the third driver, yeah. Ricardo leaving McLaren was always going to happen the way it worked, but I, I think McLaren will step up further. And my the way I look at it is because they knew the mistake was a simple mistake. They made a they made a mistake with they misjudged the cooling requirement for the brakes. That was mm-hmm. it. So what they had to do then to counter that until they fixed it was raise the car, and they they couldn't get the downforce. So yeah. It's not, a, it wasn't, as Sean kind of said, they do have a good car. It wasn't a fundamentally badly designed car. It was just, they made a bit of a whoopsie, which for me is a bit disappointing because I quite like James Key and that's his first car and he made a mistake. <laughs> uh, so you've got Norris, who as we know now know is good and probably at, could put himself in a future championship battle. Uh she knows everything about that. You've got Piastri, who at the the the, the test there was only a couple of tenths, maybe one or two tenths behind Norris, and he's only just went into the uh, McLaren car. Mm. So you know when he's just jumped in, no testing. That's the first time, and he's only two tenths behind Norris. I don't you know. know. I just uh, I don't feel like it was the best environment for Ricardo either. And I feel like I would, to be honest with you, like McLaren, I wouldn't have. You know, my favourite teams, obviously, ultimately, I'm a Red Bull girl, but I do really like McLaren. And I just feel like they showed their toxicity this season in a real, like, sort of way towards what they did with Ricardo. I feel like what they did with him, like, behind his back and, you know, it just wasn't nice. And I don't feel like that would have been a nice environment. No, I just, I, I, I disagree with you there because <laughs> they're interested only in winning the constructors. If, if, that one driver is scoring 95% of the points and mm. the other driver is only scoring 5% of the points. Any team, Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, Alpine, all of the teams, they would do like, he's obviously not doing the pulling his weight. They would have gotten rid of him. Any team would have done the same thing. I completely agree with Coops. I, I, see, I see what you're saying, Stephanie. I think like Danny was quite uncomfortable with certain things. I think maybe, especially after, after Monza last year and the win, he may be expected to get maybe a little bit more seniority and mm. first choice, I suppose, on certain things and still didn't. I think they were pretty equal on who they gave what and when, especially at the start of the season. But as Coop says, when one driver is just walking away with the, the inter-team battle, obviously that person's going to get the favoritism. And it was more dramatic in McLaren than he ever had it in, in Red Bull. Because in Red Bull, he was beating Max. In mm-hmm. in McLaren, he hasn't... Yes, he won the race, but he hasn't been on nodding terms with Lando for two seasons, and Lando is still only a kid. You think he was just turned 24. He's, he's really, really young, and Danny's like in his 30s. He's been around for a long time, and he's won eight races. And yes, I think maybe he expected a bit more, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was a toxic environment. But uh, I, I see what you say about maybe he was uncomfortable, but I, th- I think I, I think Taylor's right. Like any team in any sport in, in that scenario, like if, if you're not doing what's look required at Ronaldo, of you. This, Look at Ronaldo in football in Manchester United. <laughs> There's a prime example of one of the best yeah, footballers in the whole I entire mean... world. And the Manchester United like, you're sacked. You're, yeah, you're, you're out. You're not, yeah. you're not doing what we need you to do. Yeah, see you later. You know, yeah, it, perfect mm-hmm. example. 
I, I'm excited to see how Drivers pitches all of this. Survives without him. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's leave it there because yeah. sorry, Coops. I know, I know you want you've got something to say, but we could save it for the season review podcast next week. I'm sure you'll be there. But we've got a couple of other things to talk about, and it's we've nearly been on an hour. So let's talk about any other teams that we want to talk about. Let's get, Stephanie, have you got any anyone else that you want to mention? Any special mentions from any of the other teams? So it wasn't a one team in particular, but. That sexy spin that Mick and Latifi did mm. in sync Synchronized, was yeah, spinning. so yeah. nice to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched that multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting. Yeah. We, we thought he was going to bring out the uh, the safety car and, and, and mix things up again, and uh, but he thought, sadly never did. I thought Mick was harshly punished for that. Put to get five Should seconds, it? was it? Yeah, I, I, I thought... I didn't really think that was anyone's fault, but like you saw the closing speed. Mick didn't... like pull out and go for a lunge from 10,000 meters back. He was on new tires and he was braking exactly where he was supposed to. Mm. And Latifi mm-hmm. parked the car on the apex. There was He was going nowhere. There was absolutely nothing Mick could have done. These cars don't have brake lights on them. He could only see that Latifi wasn't moving when he hit. I think that was really unfair of Mick to be punished for that. I thought it was completely not Latifi's fault. He had no tires and a crap car, but... I thought that was a really harsh punishment and everyone laid it, oh, this is why he's being dropped. He's crap. He's not his father. I didn't think that was his fault in the slightest. No, it's not fair. I feel like the FIA have forgotten about racing incidents and they just have yeah. to pe- they they just feel like they have to penalize every single thing. Coops, yeah. you look there's a frown there. Do you do you agree or disagree with what I was saying? It was Mick Schumacher's fault. <laughs> he ran into the back of the car. It doesn't matter if he was slower on the apex or not. It's the onus is on Mick to not hit the back of the car in front. I mean it's that's it was his fault. How, it was his fault, but five seconds is standard because that's the precedent they've done all season. Every time you get a hit like that. You get five seconds. They're not sort of following their own precedence, though, so that doesn't really matter. (laughs) And and I I somewhat agree with Sean in the sense that they don't have brake lights. How is he supposed to... He's not going to realise that he's, like, full-on just hammered on the brakes Mm. until he's right up his absolute... Do you know what I mean? But, again, it's still Mick's fault because he's behind Latifi. It's not... He didn't brake check him. He was just slower going round the apex, and that's Mm. part of being a driver to understand and read what's in front of you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, again, it kind of annoys me a wee bit because we all complain as Formula One fans in general that the FIA and stewarding rules aren't consistent, but then we suddenly get a consistent one, but we don't like it because it's, you know, it's like, go we'll pick one. Yes, it was a pretty, it was a pretty, they tripped over each other. It's a pretty crap accident. But Mick hit Latifi, Latifi's in front. It's up to Mick to not hit him. It's a five-second penalty. It was a, five, it was a still wall five-second penalty. There's no so, other argument. With that, with that in mind, what about last year when Max so-called brake-checked Lewis? Well, it's Lewis's, it's Lewis's responsibility to not hit into, hit into Max. That's, well, yeah, that's, you can't brake check someone. If, if someone's slam, yeah, slamming didn't, their brakes on, that's different. He didn't brake check him. He did, did brake check him. Because he, 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 he was all about the DR, getting into the DRS. It was, it was seen that he put more pressure on the brakes on a straight line than he did any other time around that race. This is a corner with your braking going into a corner. He was on a straight line and he <laughs> put the brakes on. He brake checked him. I agree with you, oh, Seth. Okay. Saudi, Arabia, yes. Saudi Arabia was a joke. Lewis should have put it But anyway. Nope. There was, at the end of the day... All the data the... showed that Verstappen brake check Hamilton. You don't break that hard on a straight line in a Formula One car. You don't and do it. it. And he did it. You also don't slam on the brakes when your closest rival is slow on the straight and you've got DRS and you can pass it very easily. Anyway, that was last year. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move back to the race. So have you got anyone that you want to chat about that we haven't chatted about? It was quite a difficult one. I think probably the best one would be Alonso. I mean, again, another retirement. Fourth time this year he's retired in an Alpine because of a water leak. Someone leaving off a hose. Somebody, somebody's <laughs> dabbing his water hose or something. And I think it was, I don't know, during the race, I'm sure, and not that long after the race, I saw a picture of Alonso taking his gear to the Aston Martin garage. <laughs> I don't think the fireworks had finished, and he was like, see you! <laughs> I'm, to, I'm I'm done. There's a way to help them strip off all the sponsors from the number 14 car. Uh, but yeah, it, it shows you that Alonso, Alonso's luck with the retirement, showed you how hard Alpine made that whole... Because they were nailed on for... There's no way that 
McLaren in that car with the struggles they've had over the season and Ricardo not being able to consistently perform should have been 14 points behind him in the constructors. Not a chance. Uh, and you can understand right. Alonso's frustration. Mm. I mean, the Alpine have got a decent car, but they've they done it. They, they, they sacrificed the reliability for the performance and then hoped that the reliability would be sorted throughout the year. Unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, and you had to break his car. I mean, come on, he's not exactly shy. <laughs> so it's a shame it'll be interesting next year you've got two drivers in Ocon and Gasly uh, uh, his, they've got a bit of history with them don't know if they're still there they've, they've came out with the PR stuff going we're fine we're parley yeah, no bother yeah. but my, <laughs> my, my biggest thing is they're very similar drivers mm-hmm. you know you've got Alonso and Ocon two very different drivers you, you know if one fails the other one steps up you know you've got two drivers in Gasly and Ocon who they they can kind of mold themselves into each other and you wouldn't really notice. So it's it'll be a strange one next year. And I think the first time you have an Ocon Perez situation when they're in the same bit of track and they try to kill each other, I think Ocon said that Perez tried to kill him in Spa or something. It'll be quite interesting if that yeah. kicks off next year. I'm but... I'm excited to see uh, to see Gasly next year. I think yeah. he's been stuck in a rut at Alpha Touring. I've been saying that for a while. I've been saying that he needs to get out of the Red Bull situation. Since since he got demoted, he should have got out. Yeah, literally. Since he got demoted from the the main team, he just, that was it. He just wasn't interested. He's got a first, second and third since that happened. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But obviously, like, he knows that it ain't going anywhere. Do you get me? And there's no Mm. way that he's getting promoted back anytime soon into that that team. So it's not really going anywhere. And I think the team also agreed with that as well. That's why they were so happy to just let him go. Yeah. Christian Horner said when they were talking about Perez coming in uh, and they mentioned Gasly, and I think his comment was something along the lines of, uh, Pierre knows why he's not in the, the running or something. It was mm. pretty much hinted that he didn't work mm. well with the team himself, let alone that the car didn't work with him and it just wasn't a good fit. No, but, I think that means he knows he was always going to be number two to Max and he didn't want that, which is fair. Well, maybe it was. Maybe there was a bit of rough around the edges with them or a bit nippy with it or whatever. But uh, he's going to Alpine, French team, French teammate. The car's decent if they can mm. keep that trajectory going. Shackles are off. He doesn't have the helmet mark or shadow over him anymore. You know, get out there and kick on. It'll be interesting. And he doesn't have to drive that pishy Alpha Tauri again. That car was a dog. <laughs> man. That was yeah. horrible. Really terrible car. That was bad. I mean, we expect that from Williams, you know. <laughs> Can I do Williams very quickly? Go yes. on, him. Because it literally only needs just for me to read out what Coops's notes for the show are for Williams today. Williams, car number six, which I believe is Nicholas's EV. DNF sat near the back as usual, hit hit by Mick Schumacher near the end. F1 career ends on a whimper. By comparison, Alex Albon, 13th, decent drive. That sums up Williams' entire season, I think. Yes. Hold on. Yep, that's it. That's it. We've done Williams. <laughs> Looking forward to Logan Sargent and seeing what he can do with the with the team next year. Yeah, First time absolutely. Since- what we're talking about 2010-ish era since we've had a full-time American driver in the grid. Yeah. So congratulations to him, obviously getting the, uh, enough points in the F2 race, obviously in Abu Dhabi, to, to secure his place next year. So well done. And he was very good in that race, actually, mm-hmm. you should yeah. say. He had a good race. He had a good yeah. weekend. Yeah, he made it a bit difficult on the sprint, didn't he? I think there was he made it slightly difficult for himself, but then obviously pulled pulled it out of the bag on the on the race itself. He didn't sit back and let himself just be overtaken because he just needed to finish the race. He he went about it. He had some battles. He defended well, and he finished in the points both times. So it was a good race, a good weekend. He did exactly what he needed to do. An American on the grid and three American races next year. Oh, if Carlsberg could do American Formula One, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope he lasts longer than one season. I'm not very excited for the Miami Grand Prix, to be honest with you. No, nobody's no, excited nobody for is. Miami. <laughs> apart, apart from all social media influencers that get yeah. free tickets, that's it. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a Mario Kart race. That's what, it's, that's what I'm like comparing it to at the moment. If it was Mario Kart, probably more entertaining. Yeah, that is true, actually. That is true. A couple of red shells in there. That's what Vegas is going to be. They're just throwing everything at the wall of Vegas. Oh, it's big, glitz and glammy, and here's a banana mm. peel. Yeah, I, right. think, I think Vegas will be good just for what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for the atmosphere of everything and like you know, no fake marinas. Yeah, <laughs> about everything about Las Vegas is fake anyway, so you're with it fine. But the, the strange square that they seem to be uh, racing around is uh, or racing along, should I say, is not the Las Vegas exciting. Strip. 
Yeah, you, just... you could only have a Las Vegas race along this strip. Yeah, you, you couldn't do it anywhere else. Well, the car park like they did in the, the 80s park. or 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Was, What's yeah. the much car park when that yeah. last two years or something? That was horrid. <laughs> anyway, I think that's pretty much sums up the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. We spoke about most people. There were a couple of teams, maybe, I mean, Alpha, Alpha uh, Romeo, sorry, Privy didn't speak about. Alpha Romeo pipped, out, pipped Aston Martin. Tied on points, won it on a count back. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, he that's came good end of the season. Joe was 12th and Bottas was 15th and that helped them pip mm-hmm. Aston, which is a really good end of the season, I think, for Alpha. They had a brilliant first half of the season. They were surprisingly quick. Bottas was up in the points of, and in Q3, week in, week out, but their development has let them down. I still think they're one of those teams, a bit like Haas and Williams, who even with a budget cap are still spending at, like tens of millions below everyone else. But I uh, know really good uh, end of the season for them to, to, to pip a team with a massively bigger budget than them, and they've got Audi coming in. So good, good news all around for for Alfa Romeo this year. That's the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix review. We've got a couple of news stories that probably need to be chatted about before we do end the pod. Coops, uh, yes, you, you've just sent a message to me. China has been cancelled next year. Well, due it's to not their... confirmed. Ooh. Not confirmed. It's oh, going it not confirmed? to be. No, they haven't announced it, but as it was reported in the BBC, and I wrote the article about it that it will be cancelled. They just haven't officially confirmed it. Mm. And that are they going to based... replace it or are they going to just leave it as a 23 race calendar? It looks as if it's not getting replaced. Uh, but so again, have they said why? COVID. All, uh, all the COVID China... restrictions still going on in the country. China, oh, in China. Uh, yeah, mm. China has zero COVID policy. So basically what the situation is, the, issue, the biggest issue is that Formula One staff are not exempt from the isolation rules. And in China, you get COVID, you have to spend five days in an isolation centre and three days at home before you're allowed to leave the country. Oh, and wow. Formula One are basically like, we can't kind of put teams there in case it kind of spreads and we end yeah. up losing half the grid. Yeah, so, so, so the last time they were there was 2019. God knows that's when fair. they'll go back. Uh, so, and I think even when it was announced, I think from when it was announced, everybody, all the things I read, it was like, well, keep an eye on China. It didn't come as a massive surprise, did it? No. Do you think maybe this is a final nail in the coffin for China? Four years out, COVID aside is the reason, but like all the talk of, you know, everything going on in Russia and human rights things, and we shouldn't be in Qatar next year, and Saudi Arabia should be taken off the grid because an oil rig was literally missiled during the race. That maybe this is a step to F1 finally copping on. It's like China's gone now, maybe just, just leave it gone. Let's no. start to scrub think, off all I the rest of it. I think they should bring back some of the old like tracks, like Germany. That would be a, a good one to bring back, I think. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, the problem with that is just the cost. Like The, the likes of Abu yeah. Dhabi and Qatar pay so much money that they're actually increasing the charges for every other track, which obviously is it's a bit wrong and it's annoying. But then I'd be really pissed off, especially if I was Circuit of the Americas, because the two other races in America don't pay a penny. Formula One pay those cities to be there. So it's oh. all gone a bit screwy with their setups. But I, I, for one, am not sad to not see China on the, the, the calendar next year. Yeah. But China, China has a contract, and I think it'll stay there because it's a decent track. I mean, I mean, we can argue about human rights, and it's a, it's a longer, a longer, a bigger topic for a, another time about a lot of countries. Whether or not Formula One will just turn and say we've lost patience. If you're going to continue this COVID situation, you know, in three, four, five years' time, then yeah, okay, we're in a different situation. Mm. I think if it cancels next year, it goes on one more time, and then I think if there's issues, then they might be like, do you know what? Nah. They say no. Yeah. On you go for a couple of years. In terms of the American situation, the Las Vegas one doesn't pay a fee because Formula One don't have a promoter. They're doing it themselves. Yeah, they get all the ticket rights, but it still just doesn't look good for the other tracks who have to whose prices are increasing to be on the Formula One calendar. Yeah, but, but they are the, taking more money now for the tracks. I mean, look at Silverstone, for example. They're charging a shed load more for their uh, tickets, uh, and every I think every circuit's doing a very similar thing. And also, I mean, if you if you argue about this situation with regards to payments and stuff like that for tracks, Monaco has never paid a fee ever. Because mm. it's the jewel and the crown and blah blah blah, and there was a very special situation with them. So, you know, Monaco mm. is the exception that's always been there, and then other tracks, dependent on if it's de- it's dependent on the market. Because you've got to remember, Formula One is still a business, and if they want to get into that market, then they yeah. do deals. Bernie Eccleston done it for years before Formula One and you know Liberty Media took over. So it's not new. Mm. Yes, 
you know, the kind of Middle Eastern tracks that are wanting a piece of the pie are like, here's a shitload more money than a lot of other people can pay. And as a business, you're going to listen to that. And money it's talks. Just the way, it's just the way it, it is, unfortunately. Okay, any other stories then, Sean? Well, Mr. Danny Ricardo's going home, isn't he? Going home mm-hmm. to Red Bull. We mentioned it very very briefly. Obviously, he's going to be the third driver for Red Bull. Yeah. Um, Marco, Helmut Marco said he's got a lot of kind of promotional sponsorship type events that he'll be driving in, which is fantastic because he's, a, he's a, you know, an eight-time race winner, as we previously makes, said. Makes total sense for, for Red Bull because... Like with Max, they have Europe dominated. Like everyone in in, main, in mainland Europe is a Max Verstappen fan, and he sells out all of the mainland Europe tracks. And now with Danny, they've got Australia and Asia and America. The Americans absolutely adore mm-hmm. Danny Ricardo. And with Sergio, they've got South America. So they've lit from a marketing point of view, which is what Red Bull are. They're a marketing company. There, they've got they've got the whole world covered. And they are going to replace Sergio with him in 2024. I'm calling yes. it right. I'm ca- they're canceling his contract early. I am calling that right now. Just because I you agree. got the George thing right doesn't mean it goes to your head. Stop it. <laughs> well, we'll come back to this in March of 2024. <laughs> uh, you, you are going to be insufferable if you get this one. <laughs> Alexa, remind me March 1st, 2024, <laughs> that I was right about Danny. I know, I agree. I agree. I agree about the, the Audi situation. And I agree about specifically Danny Rick filling in Sergio's seat. I think if he goes back to that seat, he will understand more now than he ever has that Max is the driver to support in that situation, that he is there simply to back him up, I think. He, he, he can't argue that point, you know. If Red Bull put him in the second seat, mm-hmm. it's a case of right. You know your role now, pal. Okay, right. Yeah. Are you happy? No. He's had uh, his time out. He's had yeah. his time out. <laughs> You're off the naughty step, one back, right? Okay. He's the boss. You sit there. I think Danny will have a big smile on his face, say, yes, Mr. Marco, yes, yes, of course, yes, and then he will wipe the floor with Max in the first race. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't say that. He he will multi-21 his way right past him and win the Australian Grand Prix by 30 seconds. No, don't say that. that It's not going to be the first race, though, is it? Australia is no longer the first race. It's like the third race or fourth race. But okay. It'd be more special if he does it in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Any other news articles, Stephanie? No, I think we've covered everything. We've diverted a lot, but I think we've covered some good topics. It's been a couple of days testing, obviously, in Abu Dhabi. Anything that you Mm -hmm. want to mention about that? Yeah, I think we could have touched on it. Uh, Sean mentioned before we started recording, I didn't notice this, so this is I'm stealing this from Sean. Uh, Schwarzman is only a couple of tenths behind both and Sites Sites mm-hmm. uh, during the testing, uh, along with Piastri being quite close to Norris. The Alpha, the Alpha. Aston Martin had uh, Alonso on it, but it had absolutely no sponsors because he's on loan. He's not actually Aston Martin until 1st of December. For the third time in his career, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Again, Sean mentioned as well that uh, it's a similar situation with Gasly at Alpine, but Alpine were too lazy to take the sponsors off, so officially did not take any pictures. But mm-hmm. of course, there are pictures. So all very Can... weird and a quirky wee rule about sponsors and drivers mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which I've never really not paid attention to before. It's only the first time I've kind of noticed about kind of sponsors and all that kind of situation. Can I ask about, um, is he on loan to Williams? No, he's an officially an, a Williams driver with... How come he's still... Is he just sponsored by Red Bull then? What's it? Cause... So Red Bull Thailand is a completely different entity to, to Red Bull oh. the racing team. And it's basically just a sponsor to, a personal sponsor to Alex Albon himself. So it's not loaned out to Williams. He's fully fledged Williams driver. With if you have a look at his helmet, Bull. it's actually just the Red Bull logo. It's specifically not Red Bull Racing, yeah, uh, which is yeah. what Max and Checo have on their helmets. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I was always a little bit confused about that. So, but yeah, good spot, though. Hopefully, we hopefully yeah. we straightened that up for you. Yeah, uh, and, you. And anyone else that was listening. Okay, this has been the Everything F1 podcast. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. Please come and listen to us next week where we review the whole season. And we're doing that with the stat man, Sean Kelly, the official Formula One stat statistician who gives the statistics to all TV and radio and broadcasting peoples so hopefully he's got lots of things that he can break down for us and make it an interesting show where we kind of look at the whole season 
He's probably still annoyed that my uh, Magnuson is classed as getting pole for the sprint, <laughs> qualified for the sprint, and not qualified for yeah. the actual race. Because that kind of annoyed him at the start of the season. <laughs> yeah, but we'll be there yeah. anyway to 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 do to do all that next week. So all that's left for me to say is uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to my team, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you very much. Looking forward to to reviewing everything next week. And Coops. Thank you. Thank you. We have been Everything F1. Make sure you follow us on all our socials. Go to our website where we write articles on the off-season, probably not as regular as we would during the season, but we will try and keep it up to date as much as possible. And, of course, hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast streaming service to get all of the latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop, and we will be providing them all throughout the off-season. I've been James Tiller. This has been the Everything F1 podcast. We will speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Cheerio. Yeah, I should have been.